0: Hello everyone and welcome to Through the Void. My name is Eliza Day. This is my third time attempting to record this podcast because I keep overthinking the whole thing Um, and I don't want to do that. I don't want this to be... I just don't want this to be a hassle. I want this to be an easy and simple way to deepen our connections to one another, which is why I'm calling this podcast Through the Void. Um... So often I feel like we we exist in this void, um, in this like empty, dark void space. And it's so lonely, so isolating. But the point to me of, of being here at all are there's those moments where we like reach through the emptiness, we reach through the darkness and we grab hands with someone else. We like find these glorious moments of connection where we can like speak to one another heart to heart. And I want more of that in my life. So I hope that this podcast can become a space for that, where we can connect with one another. Um, I don't know exactly what it's going to become. I don't have a super clear vision of where this is going. I know that I want to share myself more deeply um, and with maybe some more nuance and some more context. And in the future, I hope to have guests on the podcast, um, people who are visionary thinkers, people who really inspire me, who make me excited about the future of our world, Um, people who, like, think deeply, you know, people who get it. (laughs) Um, And I also hope that maybe you guys will want to engage, um, whether you want to, like, write in, write letters, um, be guests yourselves. I don't know. I don't really know what this is going to become. But I just wanted a way to connect more. Um, And I know a lot of you probably connect with me on TikTok, but it's such a limited format. Like, three minutes. There's no context to anything. You can't even get into the nuance of anything. Um, So I hope that this is just, like, a slightly more relaxed and more spacious environment. Um, Okay. Today, I want to tell you guys... Some of my story, I will give you the highlights reel of my story, so that you can understand a little bit more who I am, um, and and how I've come to be the person that I am now. Um, no doubt that will continue to evolve over time, but I'll, I'll catch you up to present day. Um, so I grew up, um, really, really involved in the in the Christian church. Excuse me, um. I grew up going to a Methodist church and then later I like went to a brief – I briefly went to like a a culty evangelical church um, just for a couple years. And there was also a lot of involvement in youth outreach around that time from the evangelical movement. Um, So I really grew up like steeped in purity culture, still unpacking a lot of that now and the impact that that had on my relationship to desire and to like trusting my body and trusting my body's desires um i was really taught that like that you that desire is like worldly and sinful and will lead you astray um and i mm, i don't know i'm still unpacking all of it but i really think that that was such a toxic teaching because it disconnected me from my own intuition and taught me to listen to external authorities to tell me what's right and what's wrong um which even once i left the christian church like i still maintained The tendency to outsource my own judgment, um, which means I turn to other institutions of morality to answer those questions for me. Um, Anyway, I think we might do a separate episode like entirely about religious deconstruction, because I think a lot of you who've been attracted to me are also going through that or have been going through that. um, And I would like to maybe connect more deeply over that. Um, But anyway, when I was young... Christianity was actually really, like, good for me. It was really supportive because it it kept me connected to my sense of spirituality. And I would go to sleep every night feeling like I was a part of something much bigger than myself and really with a sense of, like, wonder and magic and mystery for the world. But as I got a little older, between church dogma and, like, school and things like that, my conditioning started to sort of seep in. Um... And things just became more and more dogmatic. Like I said, I got more involved in the youth stuff. So it was more about like purity and like you should only have Christian friends and like don't get led astray by the devil and just a whole lot of fear programming that um, that really didn't sit right with me. Um, Again, we'll get into we'll get into it in more detail another time. Um, But the thing that really fully broke me out of that was that I am the youngest of three queer daughters so when I was in middle school my oldest sister came out. A couple years after that my middle sister came out and then two or three years after that I came out. Um by the time I came out my parents just kind of laughed at me because I think they were just like I don't I don't know what we did at this point like I, this is beyond our our understanding or our control. <laughs> um and I really like my family doesn't answer the nature versus nurture question because It could be either, you know what I mean? Or both, I guess. Um, It doesn't really matter. But in any case, um, that was something that really pulled us away from the church. And, like, I can't really speak to anyone else in my family's experience of all of that. I can only really speak to my own. Um, But I definitely felt like – I felt like it was, like, a shameful thing and, like, it wasn't going to be accepted amongst our church community. So it was something we had to just, like, hide – and pull away from them and like not tell anybody. Um and at that point, I just completely closed the door on spirituality altogether because I was I was maybe 15 or 16. I didn't have any tools to help myself with deconstruction. I didn't have any distance from the situation to like actually be able to look at and understand what I was being taught and and why it was making me feel the way that I felt. Um so i was just like let's not think about religion let's not think about spirituality let's not think about god at all like i am a material girl living in a material world um and that led honestly to like a years long depression because life felt so meaningless to me i had i had no sense like my my sense of wonder and magic kind of died um and I was still looking for that and I would like look for it in movies, in books, in literature, but just nothing quite brought it back because I'd lost the connection from within. Um, but in any case, we'll fast forward a little bit because what I want to tell you then is the, is the moment of awakening. Um, so years of disconnection and just like pure materiality. And then it's my senior year of college. And my best friend, Layla, asks me to come into her room because she tells me she has something to tell me. And she had taken the semester before that off. She all I knew about her time off was that she spent a lot of time meditating. And I think she was like working with a shaman sometimes. And I was like, OK, like, whatever. I didn't have a frame of reference for any of that, really. And it's my like second to last month of school. I'm about to graduate. I have no freaking clue what I'm going to do with my life. And. I come into her room and she says, right before I came back to school, I started trance channeling. And I had, again, no frame of reference for this, so I didn't know what she was talking about. Um, If you don't know what trance channeling is, it's essentially you go into a really deep state of meditation and allow your conscious mind to sort of take a back seat. And then you allow other energies or consciousnesses to channel through you. Um, to essentially like use your, your voice to communicate. Um, it's, it sounds really wacky. It sounds really out there, but it's a real thing. Um, and she was like, I started trans channeling extraterrestrial consciousnesses. I had never in my life in any seriousness thought about extraterrestrials. Like I, I had thought about God I had thought about angels and demons, but I had never thought about other forms of consciousness. So I was like having my entire concept of reality blown open in this moment because I was like, oh, okay. So point number one, aliens are real. Okay. All right. What else? (laughs) And at this point, I'll also just say this. At this point for me, I don't know that I necessarily conceptualize these consciousnesses as aliens or, like, extraterrestrials, and maybe that is how they manifest and we just have, like, yet to experience them in that way, I more think of them as, like, other dimensional consciousnesses. So it's not that they're, like, out there on other planets. It's that they're on different planes of reality within the same experience. So it's things that we can't perceive from our level of, um, from our senses. Um, but they sort of exist around us. Um, anyway, continuing. So she tells me that she started channeling extraterrestrial consciousnesses, and she says, I had a dream last night, and they want to talk to you. Would you like to talk to them? And I was like, um, yeah, obviously I would. Let's do it right now. So I sit across from her. And I watch as she does some deep breathing and she slowly, her breathing slows down and and sinks into a deeper meditation. And then I watch her kind of like drop into it. And then her breathing starts to speed up a little bit and her body starts to twitch and her head turns to the side a couple of times. And then she takes a deep breath and this like bright, wide smile comes across her face. And she says... Greetings. We are the ninth dimensional Pleiadians. And I, I wish I had recorded this session because I don't remember consciously much of what was said. It was the most intense energy transmission of my entire life. The entire room was filled with more light than my eyes could perceive. It kind of felt like, um, if you ever go outside on a really bright day or like in the winter when there's like snow all over the ground and then you come inside and you're snow blind. It's like you, your eyes are having a lot of trouble adjusting to the darkness. And there's all this kind of phantom light that you're still seeing. It was like that. So it was like there's all this light that wasn't really physically there. But it was like really present in my eyes. So it was hard to kind of focus on anything at all. I was just like stunned. Um, I don't remember what they said to me. Um, I don't think it really was so much about the information that was exchanged, I think that the point of that encounter was more the energy transmission because that was my moment of awakening. And I, I could not go back from that. And I was like, it was a full body activation. Um, and it's like, it that was the moment where like, I was like in a dark room and someone finally turned the lights on, you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, oh my God, I know where I am now. I understand like, I remember who I am. Um, I know that I also spoke during that transmission to the a, a collective of hybrid children. Um, again, I don't remember much of what they said. I know that they said they work with me in my dream state and when I move my body around a lot or when I have the urge to do that. Um, but yeah, I don't remember much else of what they said. But I left that night lit up again for the first time in years, in years. Because I left and I was like, the world is so much more than what I can perceive with my physical senses. There is magic. Magic is real. There are, like, wonderful, incredible, mysterious things. There's more meaning than just whatever the day-to-day material stuff is. Like, there is so much more going on here. And that, like, that made me excited to be alive again. And so I left and I I told two friends at the time who were actually fairly receptive to it. I don't think they really understood what I was saying, but they were like, that's crazy and wild. um, And at the very least, they were impressed by the level of, like, excitement and energy coming out of me. I later told my family about it and they more or less said I was crazy and my friend was also crazy. Um so I went back into the spiritual closet for a long time. Um, actually I haven't really told this story again until now. Um, just because it's so out there that people are like that uh, people can't handle it. And they're like, I don't believe that that happened to you because that would change my concept of reality. And it's like, you don't have to believe me if you don't want to. I'm just purely telling you what my experience was. Um, and in terms of like engaging with energies like that, I don't I don't necessarily at least in any capacity of my conscious awareness I don't necessarily engage with those energies um, on a day-to-day basis I'm sure that I do on like a subconscious level um, but it's not part of my daily experience I've only ever really engaged with them when I've been channeling with Layla um who if you guys are interested in her work she is at light with Layla on Instagram um and she has, I think she might still do one-on-one sessions. I don't know if she does. But she has some, like, channeled webinar series that are really great. And they were also a big part of my journey. Um, so she's someone who I I really will always um, – I will always recommend her because I trust her so deeply. Um, and I trust all of the information that she brings in that it's really of, like, the highest integri- integrity. But um, anyway – So that happened and my life was like just not the same after that. But it took me a while to integrate a lot of that information or or that understanding of the world. Um, So I graduated college. I like chaotically ran off with someone that I had just started dating. Um, I like moved to Atlanta for a little bit, which I, I never would have moved there if it weren't for this person. And then that ended in a really chaotic breakup. And I went deep, 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 deep into depression. Um, Which to add into that, also in the midst of this depressive episode, about halfway through, I was like, I had been on antidepressants for a little over a year. And I was like, I don't need these anymore. I don't want these. I don't like being on them. So I just stopped taking them cold turkey. Um, If you are ever on a mood-altering medication and you want to get off it, absolutely look into doing that. But please, please do it under medical supervision and like do it with intention and do it carefully because that stuff is daily impacting your brain chemistry. And if you just stop taking it, your brain has to like do a hard reset. So I was already in a depressive episode and then I just like plummeted myself way, way down for like another two or three months. I was like, I was so depressed also because I was in withdrawal from the medication to the degree that in March, this was March of 2019. And so the that channeling session, that like awakening channeling session had happened in maybe April or May of 2018. And so we're roughly a year later, March 2019. And I was so depressed that I scared myself. And I I was at a breaking point where I was like, Something either needs to change and I need to actually like really seriously change some things about my life to crawl out of this space or I can't be here. And it, I, that really scared me. And I, I called my mom crying and I was like, I don't want to be here and I don't know what to do with that information. Like, I need help. Um, so I started seeing a dance therapist for a little bit, which was really helpful to me. I only saw her maybe for like four or five months at that time. And then I decided to go to massage school. Um, like I said, I'd graduated college and I, I was an artist. I was an actor. And like all I really wanted to do was act, but I did not know how to do that whole journey. Um, and if you're someone who's like walked the path of the like struggling actor doing the auditions every day, like I have so much respect for you. That is brutal. Um, and I couldn't handle it. And I was like, if I'm going to act, that's not my pathway in. Um, and maybe I'm not going to do it at all. I just simply don't know. Um, but I was like, I need, I can't just get like a survival job. And I, I had had survival jobs at this point and they just drained me. I was like, whatever I do with my time, it needs to be something that is meaningful, um, that has an impact and preferably something that I do with my hands. Um, And I had already been interested in massage because when I was growing up, my mom had chronic pain. So I had massaged her a lot when I was a kid, and it was something that I enjoyed doing. And I had actually thought about doing it right after high school, but I got really urged to go to college, so I did that instead. Um, But now, a year after college, I was like, I guess I'm going to go to massage school now and it was an amazing experience. For 6 months, uh, all I was engaging with was the body. And I was studying anatomy and like learning more about how the body functions, which also just completely lit me up because I was like this is a this is a miracle machine. This is an incredible little miracle machine. Did you guys know this is my favorite fun fact that I learned from my anatomy classes? That your bones are like constantly being regenerated. So right now there are actively little cells running through your bones that are like eating up little weak spots. And then these other cells come through and rebuild it. And I thought prior to that, I had been, I I thought that I had been taught and maybe I just misunderstood that like your bones are your bones and your bones won't do anything but deteriorate and other cells in your body regenerate, but your bones are your bones. Um, not true. Not true. Your bones are constantly changing. And so it also really awakened me to that idea that, like, I had read this before, but that, like, every seven years, every cell in your body has been replaced. And I was like, that's so cool. Like, the body is this evolving thing. It's every day you wake up and it's different than it was the day before. And it's just this, like, incredibly complex, interconnected, like, miracle machine. Anyway, could talk about it for hours. So that was amazing and just like really exciting to me. And then I was learning a lot about how the body stores trauma and how, especially like within the soft tissues of the body, that we store all of this unprocessed emotion. Now, there's not a lot of like scientific research into that because I don't think that we know how to measure that yet. Um, But there has been a lot of like experimental circumstantial research on it and, like, on the way that body work and somatic practices will affect the, emotion, like, emotional regulation and the nervous system, things like that. But from my personal experience, first of all, uh, my body changed entirely within those six months because I was receiving massage at least three times a week, um, every part of my body by the, by the end of it. And, um... I, I experienced a lot of things in my body changing. I experienced my physical structure changing and I experienced a lot of things like leaving my body. So one of my favorite parts of massage is, and it, this is like what I'm chasing when I'm in a session, is something called an emotional release. And what happens is usually in a place where someone's holding a lot of chronic pain or chronic tension, if we work on it long enough to achieve muscular release, a lot of times that person will also experience an emotional release. They'll start laughing or they'll start crying on the table. And sometimes they have an awareness of like a memory will surface and it will, it'll be very tied to that. Or um, sometimes an emotion, like they'll really, they'll really feel the feeling of it. Um, but sometimes there is no understanding of like what's purging, but something is clearly leaving the body. And then they leave feeling lighter and they don't have as much chronic pain in that area. It's like once you fully release it, you, you kind of release it. Um, and that, that was so exciting to me because I was like, we're carrying around so much density, so much weight that is not, um, that we don't need to. Like we're storing things because we haven't learned or understood how to let these feelings flow out of us. Um, so yeah, I don't know exactly. Now I'm lost because I've really gone down this rabbit hole of massage. Um, but that was, that was my experience there. was like, I was learning so much about my body and so much about the human body. Um, and then also at the same time, like I said, I had been in the spiritual closet. So around this time, I was also like in all of my free time, um, listening to different channelers and spiritual teachers, learning about consciousness and how you can shape reality with your consciousness. Um, learning about the shadow self and like exploring, exploring the shadow side. Though I'll tell you what my shadow work didn't really start until later. Um, mostly I was, I was within like an awakening process around this time and like, uh, deepening my sense of embodiment um then I was right about to graduate from massage school and it was spring of 2020 so the pandemic hit and I my studies had to go on pause and I was like just hanging out um and my one of my childhood friends who I I met doing community theater when I was a kid and then later she became my very first girlfriend she was my very first love um At this point, we were just friends. And she reached out to me and said, do you want to start writing with me? I just watched the Shonda Rhimes Masterclass and I want to write a TV show. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm not doing anything. So we started writing every day. Um, We're still working on this project, actually, with a third writing partner. Um, The project is called Mainland. And it is about a group of young people who feel really um, discouraged and stuck and trapped within our current like social and economic structures, um, who decide that they want something else. And so they come together and they move to a farm in Maine. Um, and we're really exploring ideas of, of community and, uh, togetherness, um, and fulfillment. And so there's a lot, there's a lot going on in it. I don't want to explain all of it, but anyway, that was the project that we were working on, so we were also unpacking a lot of that and like the pressures that we felt to succeed or to um, to be part of the grind, um, and what actually like brought fulfillment to our hearts. Like, what did we actually want? Um, and really connecting deeply in that way, and it led to um, it led to my writing partner quitting her job. She had been working at, like a corporate job. And um, she moved out of the city. She moved to Maine, where I was at the time. Um, I was in South Portland, which I love. If you guys have never been, it's one of my favorite places. Um, Before that, though, I will back up just a little bit. Right before she moved to Maine, I had, again, it was the middle of the first pandemic summer. So, like, nobody was doing anything. And my friend Jessie from massage school called me up and she said, will you help me move into my bus? She was converting an American Red Cross bus to live in and she needed to move everything out of her apartment by noon the next day. And she had like crazy frantic energy when she was on the phone, but I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'll be right over. I get there and her boyfriend offers me, this is so crazy, guys. And this was really unlike me at the time, but I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. He offers me what he says is just a mild stimulant. And I was not a drug taker at this time. The only things I had ever consumed were like alcohol, which at this point I didn't really drink, um, and marijuana, which I had been using for like a couple of years. I I mostly used it to like meditate and journal. Um, But I had never done anything else, and I was not the kind of person prior to then who was that level of spontaneous, who would just like take something because someone offered it to me. Um, but for some reason I did. And I didn't even know this guy. This was like my friend's boyfriend. I had never met him before, but I was just like, yeah, okay. And at first it was just a mild stimulant, but then he gave me more. Um, and it was sassafras. So I don't know if you guys know anything about this or have ever heard about it. Um, It's sassafras, like from the sassafras plant. Um, But its chemical components are MDA. So it's one molecule off from MDMA, um, from molly. So I don't know. I've never done molly, but I think that the effects are similar. Um, And so when he gave me the second dose, I was tripping. Um, And I had never... I had never experienced that before in my life, and I also – did. it's honestly kind of good that I didn't know what I was doing um, because I wasn't afraid of it. I just was, like, kind of purely experiencing it. um, And the reason I tell you guys this is because this was actually another, like, pivotal awakening moment for me. Um, I feel terrible. I was absolutely no help to Jessie in moving her things into that bus and, in fact, was actively kind of a hindrance. Um – but she gets it and I think she realized that it was less that she needed me to help her and more that she needed to offer me this awakening opportunity before she left the state. Um, she's a real one. A true soul sister. Um, so a lot happened that night. I won't get into it. Maybe we'll do a, a whole separate episode also about like psychedelic experiences because um, I went on to use them somewhat regularly for probably a year or so after this um but yes jessie purged a lot she did body work on me while i was in that state and purged a lot from my body um i don't even actually know how to conceptualize in words what happened but i just know that like it again full body it was more like a full energy body reset like she was like you got a lot of stuff going on here and she was just, like, pulling stuff out of me left and right and, like, moving my body around and working knots out of me. Um, God bless this woman, truly. But the moment that stood out to me the most from this experience was we had gone on a walk and I was sitting on a, a little South Portland Park swing. And Jessie guided me into doing a mudra, um, the forefinger to thumb. And she was like, take a deep breath, close your eyes. And feel the golden thread stretching between your fingers. Feel how it stretches out through all of time. And she said, we have always been here. And I like, I, it was so tangible. I really did feel this like single golden thread weaving through every experience through all of time. It was like the web of interconnection. And like the single piece of it that I'm holding right now in this moment. And so that for me was my moment of awakening to like lineage. Um, that channeling session with Layla was an awakening to higher levels of consciousness and um, the idea that there's more to life than we can see. And then Jesse really awakened me to the understanding of cycles and cycles of time and um, and repetition of all of these experiences and and that we each – we each are so interconnected in ways that we don't understand. And like history has all of these like strange ways of repeating itself. It was also sort of my awakening moment to karma. Um, that I, I guess I've never really unpacked it or like put it into words, but it just, it was a feeling. It was a sense that I had that once I felt it, I, I was tapped in. I got it. Um, so that was that experience absolutely drained me. I feel terrible. I did not help her move. Um, in fact, I like puked on her carpet. Um, I like, (laughs) I owe her for that one. I really do. Um, but anyway, and the next day I was like, so I was so wiped out. I had to drive an hour home and I had to stop halfway to like take a nap in a parking lot because I was so exhausted. Um, but it was, it was an experience that I needed. And after that, my writing partner moved to Maine. We started writing together every day in person um, and spending a lot of time. We we would go to the beach a lot and we were spending a lot of time with the ocean. Um, and I don't know in exactly what order these things happened. Um, our connection was growing a lot deeper. We were like, I was falling in love with her again, and I was like, this is bad news because she was engaged at the time, Um, and I was supposed to be in the wedding, Um, and I thought, well, I'll just keep this to myself forever, Um, but as time wore on, I was like, "Mm, this is deeply painful for me, and I I actually don't know if I can keep doing this for much longer. But like I said, I don't know exactly in what order this happened. Um, we also that month, August 2020, dropped acid together. Um, and my first time taking that drug as well. Um, I hesitate to even call it a drug. I would call it a medicine. Here's okay, here's my take on psychedelics. It depends how you use them. Like it could be a drug or it can be a medicine and it depends on how you are using it, how intentionally you are using it. Um, Most of my experiences have been utilizing it as a medicine. I do not like to use it as a drug. Um, Like I said, maybe we'll do a whole separate episode on psychedelics, but I don't like to use them as like a recreational fun time activity. I like to use them to do really deep emotional processing, neural repatterning, spiritual work. Um and when I took this, this was the strangest trip that I've ever been on. Um I, I I'm not even going to get into the whole story, but I'll tell you what the takeaway from it was. Part of it was once again how the how the body stores pain. I surfaced a a memory from when I was a toddler that was stored in my shoulder. Um but the other huge thing that came out of that trip experience was this question of what do you want? Um which I had never really asked myself before. A lot of my desires were in response to limitation. Um, it was things that I wanted because I felt restricted. But I had this moment of really feeling like the world was sort of spread out before me and that I could have anything that I asked for, um, And it was also really a call to leadership in a lot of ways. Like, how are you going to step up and be a leader? And what do you want? Like, name and claim what you want. And I wasn't able to while I was in the experience, but the question really, I, I had to reckon with it after that. I couldn't, I couldn't push that question away anymore. Um... And so then I was like, oh, gosh, I'm not satisfied where I am. And I have been playing so small. I've been settling for what I think I'm allowed to have and not actually truly pursuing what I want. And at some point. When we were writing one day on the beach, I said to my writing partner, we could just keep doing this like we could just go places, we could find different shores and we could keep writing anywhere we could be anywhere while we do this and she was like yeah and within a short matter of time she realized like I don't want to get married I don't want the life that I've been building for myself I there are other things that I wanted and there's like all of this exploration that I want to do and there are these things that I want to write I want to make art I want to explore the world I don't want to settle down um so she called off her wedding. And we ran away um, in a very rom-commy, messy, crazy way. Um, And I have essentially been living a nomadic existence since then. I bounce around from place to place. My bags have not been fully unpacked for two years, um, which has definitely had its ups and downs. It has an incredible amount of, like, liberation and freedom to it, and then also sometimes, like, Insecurity and doubt and frustration with just, like, not feeling grounded or rooted. Um, But I wouldn't trade it for anything. It has been an incredible experience. Um, I'll someday tell the whole... I'll tell the romance rom-com story. Um, I don't... This is as much as I've really told it publicly in any way. um, And I don't really feel comfortable talking a lot more about it yet because it... um, just impacts a lot of other people's lives. It's not just my story. It's many people's story. Um, and so I'm very conscious of that, but it is part of my journey. And that for me, like from that point on was when I took the reins of my own life and I stopped being who I thought I I, I stopped trying to be a good person. Actually, you guys, that is what changed. And that experience, the like, the whole running away process, I really had to reckon with after that because there, I did a lot of things around that time that were not necessarily in integrity with the kind of person that I want to be and how I want to show up in the world. So I made some choices that betrayed my own values. Um, And in some ways that really liberated me because that made me realize like, That I don't necessarily have an obligation to be good, to be righteous, Um, which was so much of my fundamental programming was about being pure, being sinless, never doing anything wrong, never pursuing those bad desires. Um, And then I pursued them. And now, as I've processed a lot of that, I have come to the conclusion that it's like, I don't know. I am actually, now I'm like, I don't know that I actually have a conclusion on this, but I don't regret what I did. And I don't regret pursuing that because it was the first time that I ever let myself actually follow what I wanted without concern for what it would mean about me. But, after that i had to reckon with what i believed it meant about me and my inner judge and jury and how they felt about what i had done so i then i went into a lot of like cycles of self punishment because i felt guilt and shame about who i thought i was now like my concept of self had changed i had done something outside of the boundaries of who i believed myself to be and then I was judging that. So I don't know. It's an interesting balancing act between staying true to your desire and also staying true to your values. And then it's, it's kind of a space of questioning. Like when, when your desires don't align up, don't line up with your values, what does that mean? Does it mean that your desire is bad? Does it mean that your values are incorrect. And I don't, I still don't have an answer for that. It's something that I'm, I'm daily exploring. And so this also was really the beginning of me starting my own moral inquiry, my own exploration into what are my morals, what are my values, and what does it mean to live up to those, rather than accepting someone else's structure for them. And Interestingly, but I suppose also not surprisingly, I have in a lot of ways returned now to some of the original values that I was taught as as a child in Christianity. Not the dogma that I got taught later of the, like, the purity and the, like, judgment and the shame, but those original teachings of love, kindness, compassion, peace, patience, like the those fruit of the spirit. Um, hang on. I can, I can tell you what they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and (laughs) self-control. Um, I've come back to a lot of those. And, and learning to do them, not because someone else told me those are the keys to being a good person, but learning to embody those things because I now understand how good it feels to me to embody those things. And how much richer and fuller and more beautiful my life is when I live by those values. Um, I like who I am when I embody those things. I'm not doing it because someone else told me that's what makes me worthy of love and worthy of goodness or whatever. Um, But I'm doing it because it feels good to me to do it. And that to me is what it really means to follow the path of desire, is to pursue the things that make your life richer, that expand your life, that challenge you, that make you feel good, that make you feel alive, that allow you to experience pleasure. And when we experience desire for things that are harmful to us, that's a space of inquiry. Why why do I desire things that hurt me? Um, Where is that coming from within me? And it's not a judgment of it. It's not saying that it's wrong to want those things, but that is a space of, of self-inquiry. That's something to learn about yourself. Anyway, as I said, like, this is a continued path of exploration, so I don't necessarily have conclusions, but I have a lot of questions. Um, so in terms of the story... September 2020 I ran away um I left a wake of destruction in my path (laughs) um and then we have been exploring ever since so I've come back to Pennsylvania a lot which is where I'm originally from um and reconnected with family here and we went to Texas for a while and continued to write mainland with um with our third writing partner Nicole and um Then I ended up in Florida for a little bit, living in, like, a gated golf club community, which was crazy. We started another TV show there about that experience. Um, That one's only half-formed, but I am obsessed with it. Um, A little bit... Kind of like a me version of Desperate Housewives. So it's, like, a little bit deeper, um, but it's, like, a murder mystery um, exploration of, like, WASP culture. Um... And then I ended up in New York. Um, I ended up in New York first because we were working on a project with two other writing partners. Um, we actually ended up making a web series, four episodes in one month. Um, totally, like, we wrote it, we, we uh, produced it, and we sent it out within six weeks, um, which if you've never done anything like that, like, that's kind of a feat in and of itself. It was so much work. Um, like long days every day, but it was so rewarding. And the most exciting part about that to me was the realization that um, we could do it ourselves. I had been sitting around for so long waiting for permission, waiting for someone to show up who had more money, more connections, more authority to be like, now you are allowed to be an artist and here is your opportunity to do it. And Instead, we were just like, why don't we just use the tools that we already have to make the things that we want to make? And maybe it's not as well executed as it could be if we had more money and more resources and more people, but at least it will be made. And so really getting to make something from start to finish was like such an empowering experience to me. Also, at this point, even Steven Spielberg is filming stuff on an iPhone. So it's like, we don't, There are not as many barriers to creation as we think that there are. They're really all mental at this point. Um, So that was an amazing experience. And then after that... So that was January of this year. January of 2022. Um, And... Then I decided to move to New York because I wanted more of that. Um, And we were going to continue working. But once I got to New York... It was not like that. That was a really, really challenging chapter in my experience. Everything kind of dissolved. Um, I went through like a dark night of the soul that while I was in it, I did not understand what was happening to me. And I was just like, why is everything suddenly becoming so terrible? Um, And really, in hindsight, what was happening was I was deconstructing all of the false reasons that I wanted the things that I wanted. So I had to face like patterns of unworthiness that were causing me to seek validation from people outside of me. Um, I had to dissolve fear of failure um, and a whole lot of lack mentality. Um, and so the New York was intense and difficult for me. And I was like, It was particularly financially difficult for me. I was like really struggling with lack mentality and I was like constantly bottoming out in my finances and like really dealing with feelings of desperation, fear of failure, like housing instability. Um, The only thing that saved me in this time was that I got a job working at a yoga studio. I randomly found this place on Craigslist of all places I, New York was also my Craigslist era. I became, like, obsessed with Craigslist. My housing opportunities came through Craigslist. My work came through Craigslist. Um, I made weird connections through it. And, like, that website is full of scams, so you really have to be careful. But there also are, like, cool and interesting people on there. Um, anyway, I found this job on Craigslist, and they were just looking for front desk support. So it was this beautiful one-room yoga studio on the Upper West Side. Um, and I loved the people who worked there, and I loved my experience there, and I got to do free yoga. It was part of the deal of the job. Um, so I started practicing far more regularly. Like, I had done yoga in the past, but I had never really committed myself to regularly practicing. And now I had, like, no excuse, because I had to go into the studio for work all the time. So then I, I started practicing all the time with incredible teachers, um, and really... I had lost connection with my body in the time since I left massage school because like I said, then I moved, uh, then we ran away and I like didn't have a stable place to live after that. I was bouncing around all of the time. So I lost a lot of those physical practices and engaging with that again really helped to ground me and helped me to process a lot of the feelings of instability, um, and start to find an internal foundation, um, And also to integrate my material experience with my spiritual experience. The two had been more closely related than they had been in the past, but still separate. And I didn't know how to bring, like, spiritual and material together. But yoga really helped me to do that. Um, Eventually, I still ended up leaving. Um, I just, I, I couldn't spiral up out of the, the depths fast enough, um, to really make New York work at the time. And the experience was just so intense and so overwhelming that I was like, honestly, I need to get out of here and I need to really ground again. Um, because I was barely taking care of myself, let alone having the energy to create or to thrive or to like invest in the things that I wanted to build. I was, I was barely feeding myself. Um, so I was like, this is not sustainable. Um, so I had to leave that job, which was really sad because I loved the community that I formed there and I loved the people that were there. And there were a lot of opportunities for me to grow there. Um, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get there in time and that's okay. Um, I will always, always, always cherish that experience though. And also beautifully, I was able to, as I left, give a dear friend my position, who I think is also, like, really enjoying it, and it's serving her well. Um, so yes. Um, then I ended up back in Pennsylvania for a little bit. That's where I am right now. Um, and I don't know if you can see, but I'm, like, surrounded by open boxes of my items. Um, and I don't know what's next. I think that we might hit the road again for a little bit. Um, I would kind of like to do a tour. Um, I would like to meet some of you also. I guess this is maybe the first time I'm publicly setting that intention, but these tenuous digital connections are really great. Um, but they feel that they feel tenuous and they feel not entirely real. Um, and I love, I love the digital space because it gives us access to so much um, and to people that we wouldn't otherwise meet. But I don't think that these connections can be that impactful unless we bring them into material. Um, so it's my hope that over time, as this grows into a larger community, um, that this can become something more tangible Um, And I don't really know what that looks like. And maybe we will discover that together. Um, But that's my hope. So I will talk about that more maybe in the coming weeks, some places that I'm going to be. And if you guys would like to meet up in person, that would be really exciting to me. Um, But yeah, I don't know where we're going from here. I also at this point have surrendered so many of my attachments That I really feel like whatever I do at this point is just guided by spirit. Um, I'm in the, I'm in the passenger side at this point. And, um, and I'm along for the ride. And I'm, I'm here to be whoever, whoever I'm asked to be. I still love to write. I still love to act. I love to talk. Talking's my favorite thing, which is why I started this podcast. I love to talk and I love to listen, um, I love to talk to people. I love to learn about people. I like to explore. Um, And I love healing. I love healing. And I don't think... I I hesitate to say I am a healer because I don't think that's what I do. I think what I do is create space. I hold space for other people to do the healing work that they need to do. Healing always takes place within you. All, All healing, all growth, all expansion, it happens in you. Other people can offer you keys to unlock your own inner world. Um other people can hold space for you to move through processes. They can offer you love, they can offer you compassion, they can offer you support, but the change always happens in you. Um So yes, I guess I guess what I'm saying is I would like to continue to offer spaces and keys and I hope that I will encounter some of you who also offer spaces and keys. Um, I find now that most conversations are, are some really beautiful and, and divine exchange um, of ideas, of perspectives, that I come away from different than when I entered. Um, and that's exciting to me. So yes that's me. That's the highlight reel of me. Um, I'm sure we'll go deeper into some of that over time. If you guys have questions, um, things about this that really spoke to you that you want to connect on in a deeper way, or if you, I don't know, would just like to write in and share your experiences, or you have, if you have questions, um, you can email me. My email is daylight at gmail.com. I would love to engage in that way so that I don't feel like I'm talking to nobody. Um, <laughs> And also, like, I don't know. I guess I, I like to give perspective on things. If that's something that you find valuable. Um, yeah, I do. I guess the other thing that I want to say is, like, I do have an ability to to channel in higher wisdom. And that's usually what happens in my one-on-one sessions with people. And that's a lot of what I've been doing on TikTok. Um But as much as I have that skill, I also am a human woman going on my own human journey, which is messy and nonlinear and, um, you know, full of mistakes and ego traps and all of that. So I guess I would like to have the space to embody both of those things here. Um, I don't want to ever posit myself as some sort of expert or real leader, I guess. Um, I'm just another person who's also on the journey and I would like to connect with people who out there who are also on the journey, um, so that maybe we don't have to feel so alone in it. Um, and also I want to connect with those of you who are like visionary thinkers and who want to see real material change happen in the world because I'm so very tired of sitting here and, like, criticizing the way that the system works and being so frustrated that no amount of, like, pressure that we put on it will reform it fast enough because, quite frankly, a lot of these systems are not built to support us. And so we're trying to reform something that's, like, kind of broken at its core. And I think that we can – I think we can build better systems, but we have to come together to do it. And, like, so many of us out here are, like – swimming in it alone and we don't know about the work that everyone else is doing um so i hope that we can start to exchange ideas more and build a real a real grassroots network of people who have the same visions or aligned visions for the future so that we could work together um to make these things a reality because we are stronger when we are together um what's that old, it's this image, it's this, I actually, this is another thing that came from church funnily enough. Um, it was this idea of like a snowflake, like we're each a snowflake and one snowflake on it, on its own does nothing. It just melts, but a million snowflakes form a snowbank that stops traffic. Um, and so, Maybe we can collect a million snowflakes, and maybe we can make a really big impact. Um, that's my big, big vision, but we'll see where it goes. I don't know. I'm, like I said, I'm not in the driver's seat. I'm just along for the ride. And if this reaches even one of you out there, that would be enough for me. Um, all right. This has been the very first episode of Through the Void. Um, my name is Eliza Day, and I'll see you next time.